I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome back to News Du Jour. If you're new here, I wanted to start off with the disclaimer that while we promise to be a calmer space to consume the news, that's not to say that bad stuff doesn't happen. And when it does, we're going to be here to tell you about it and acknowledge its seriousness. However, we believe there's a lot more than doom and gloom going on in the world. And we will report on a range of different topics from entertainment to business to politics to art and fashion and much more. Whatever the top stories of the day are, that is what we're excited to tell you about. We're glad you're here. Hey guys, so another quick reminder, I know we've talked about it a lot, but tonight is the final presidential debate for the 2020 election season. We have come so far. It will be interesting to see how this one goes and if the behavior shifts at all. Stay tuned for our review of it on Monday, not tomorrow. I like to let a debate sit a little bit and look at it big picture before giving you guys my reaction, but I will be going live on Instagram to watch it again, and it will be a little bit better set up than what I did last time. Tune in with me at 8 p.m. Central Time. For our first story today, Pope Francis speaks out in favor of same-sex couples. So as a practicing Catholic, this is mind-blowing to me and in a very positive way. In a huge shift in stance, Pope Francis has come out in support of same-sex civil unions. He did so via a documentary that premiered yesterday, and this is a significant move away from his predecessors. He reiterated that the Catholic stance is that all people are children of God, and this includes everyone in the LGBT community. He said that he wants to see gay unions recognized legally so that they are, quote, covered under the law, end quote. Now, they do clarify that the Catholic weddings within the church will be limited still to male-female partnerships, but this simple change in rhetoric will hopefully go a long way in terms of inclusion and respect for an entire group of people by the Catholic Church. For our next story and the one after that, these are kind of tough stories. Um, They involve children going missing um, as well as violence. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that um, in case you have little ears around or just aren't up for something sensitive like this today. But 545 migrant children have been separated from their parents by the Trump administration and have yet to be found. 
A new report has come out via court-appointed researchers that since 2017, approximately 545 children of migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. have had their children taken away from them and since cannot locate them. About 60 of these children were under the age of 5 when they were separated from their parents, according to the court documents. Courts in Mexico and throughout Central America have been trying desperately to find these missing children and with no avail. These 545 kids have been deemed unreachable. A little personal experience to add in here. I actually volunteered at a state children's shelter in high school right here in Oklahoma. And there were like 10 different kinds of paperwork you had to fill out and people you had to notify when a child arrives or changes hands. There are judges, foster parents, outside organizations like CASA or the one I was volunteering with, Tulsa Lawyers for Children, caseworkers, and so much more. Although this seems complicated, it's all designed to have about 25 layers of protection for that child, making sure that they're accounted for every step of the way. To me, it's kind of mind-boggling that a child could even go missing at all in this system, let alone 545 of them, without a trace. I am not a professional when it comes to this, but I feel like something like this would have had to be done deliberately, not accidentally, just based on my volunteer work and what I've seen in the shelters. Because there are just so many systems in place to make sure that this does not happen, even in poorer states like Oklahoma. If you are someone who is expert in this area and would like to come on the podcast and shed some light on the subject, I would love that. Please feel free to reach out via email or social media. All links are in our show notes. Anyway, back to the story. These kiddos are missing. Their parents are looking for them and even taking to the courts to do so. In 2018, the government finally reported that 2,700 children had been separated from their families and then later admitted to separating 1,500 more than previously disclosed. Then they added about 1,100 more to that list in 2019. This is a lot of children, you guys. That's over 4,000, maybe 5,000 kids that were taken away from their families. They only admitted this to, once forced to, in court. 200 of the children are under the age of 5. The Trump administration also has shown no system of keeping track of how many families they have dismantled, and yet they're running on a platform promoting family. The irony there is kind of unavoidable. And what's worse is it's clear that they've had no intention of reuniting these families, as they couldn't even keep track of where the kids are. So where are these children? Are they dead? Are they trafficked? What happened to them? And how could this happen in America? We are only left with these questions, and right now, no answers. So like I said before, this um, 
portion, the story of the podcast today is also going to contain some sort of upsetting material. If you want to skip ahead, please do. Um, Otherwise, buckle up. Violence in Nigeria. A few months ago, we covered the violence kicking up in Nigeria, but we have grown a lot since then, and so I know most of you probably did not hear that episode, and now with major celebrities like Beyonce, Viola Davis, Rihanna, and even Joe Biden speaking out about it, you might need a little breakdown of this issue, and we've got you covered. A little context first. Nigeria is a country in West Africa. It has a coastline and is nestled just north of Cameroon and next door to a lot of smaller African countries. It is approximately the size of France. Nigeria exports petroleum, cocoa beans, meaning chocolate, and metals primarily. It's known for its metalwork. It was colonized by the Portuguese and the British and exploited for the slave trade. The British destroyed historical relics, they taxed the people, and just generally made a big mess of what they found in Nigeria when they invaded the area. The country gained independence from the Brits in 1960, following World War II and its weakened status at the time, But a civil war followed shortly afterward between the north and the south of the country. But the war ended with a united country, but a military rule. We covered earlier in the year that the people of Nigeria have taken to the streets to protest the murders, kidnappings, extreme torture, and rapes occurring at the hands of their current police system known as SARS. Again, this is a military-type police system. And then, more recently, at one of those protests, the SARS group opened fire on the protesters. Many people were killed, but it's really difficult to say how many because the government is denying that more than one person died. But live streams on social media, unfortunately, displayed the horror in full force. And Amnesty International was there, a group focused on ending social conflict around the world, and they bore witness to the event firsthand as well. The torture that Nigerian citizens are facing at the hands of their own government is incredibly difficult to watch and process. It's horrifying. And right now, voices with real platforms around the world are calling for the end of SARS. This is a big, important topic right now that I want to dive in more than I can just in my 10 to 15 minute episode here with other stories to talk about, but I'm thinking maybe a bonus episode. Let me know via social or email if that sounds good to you. Stay tuned. For our last story today, we're discussing Purdue Pharma, the creator of OxyContin, pleading guilty over charges regarding its role in the opioid crisis. Dependency on opioids has essentially become an epidemic in the United States, and Purdue Pharma is essentially at the center of this crisis. They created the drug called OxyContin, which is a main source of the problem. 
They faced over 2,000 lawsuits on the subject and are having to plead guilty, pay major fines, and file for bankruptcy. Johnson & Johnson had already paid a steep price for a similar lawsuit, and basically what these drug companies were doing was creating targeted ad campaigns as well as paying doctors to prescribe opioids when they were not medically necessary or in higher doses than what was needed, knowing that these drugs are highly addictive. Over 450,000 people died in the U.S. over 10 years from overdosing on these drugs. And what's crazy is about a third of those deaths were from meds that were actually prescribed to the person, meaning that they were given way too much um, than needed. And pretending the doctors were often pretending like they had no role in the person's eventual death from the drugs. The company will end up paying about $8.3 billion as a result, and that money is actually going to go to opioid treatment programs. But the ripple effect that this company has caused will continue to plague this country for years to come, as many people who are truly addicted will not be able to stop easily or on their own. Many states believe that this deal isn't enough. But hopefully it'll send a strong message to drug companies going forward. You cannot actively try to get people addicted to your product without serious consequences. And that's the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you with the quote, no response is a response. Listen to it. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world to us and really help us be able to keep creating the news du jour for free for you guys. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, sugarfree underscore media on Twitter, and just sugarfreemedia, all one word, on TikTok. You can also subscribe to emails on our blog so that you get an alert every time we have a new post or an announcement, and that's at www.sugarfreemedia.co. Again, that's sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our Sugar Free Media logo is by Catherine Jezik Designs. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh...